Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is the uh, second part of the interview with Robin Paul. Special thanks to Dan Hitt for helping to arrange that. Dan was my trusted football price guide editor for so many years and a great guy. So thanks, Dan. Thanks, Robin, for uh, sharing uh, your knowledge. And uh, thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Uh, here's the rest of the conversation. We got into all things football cards, but especially post-serial and a little bit of popular culture from back in 1962. So thanks, Robin, and here it is. I have a wall of fame of cards, a card wall behind me, and you have your stuff behind you. It's pleasant to look at. You're focused on the post-serial football cards. I'm multi-sport, but if I were going to put a card on my wall from a 62 uh, post-football what would you suggest that I pick? I just do one per player and I try to sprinkle a variety of sets so that people can get an idea of the history of the hobby, but it's multi-sport uh, and I've got some post uh, and jello baseball on there, but what would be your candidate for the representative? It's a card that I can tell a meaningful story about. To me, it'd be Paul Horning. I, and I recently did a story on the website about why Horning is kneeling in his, in his shot. There was a kid there with him that day that was dressed up in a football uniform with a number five on it. And in 1961, when they took the pictures, there weren't very many uniforms. And he shows up and Max McGee gets him out on the field with Horning. And they end up taking his picture and it ends up in the papers. And there's Horning kneeling. And they end up taking his photo kneeling and using it on the post-serial football card. There are other action shots of him. Why didn't they use one of those? Why? Because the kid was out there. And they took that photo that way. Max McGee was supposedly a big joker guy. He was. There's a picture of him. He's laying on the ground in the background. He's sitting there laughing. Okay, here's my candidate. I was thinking about Dave Baker. Yeah. Do you acknowledge that he's the toughest card in the set? Oh, absolutely. Okay. If you're not a master set collector, yes. Okay. He's considered to be an obscure player, a defensive back, career, but he actually had a pretty distinguished but short career. Oh, he was a really good player. Good player, second team all pro. And I don't know why he retired or quit or got injured after three years. He had, he had, to, go, he had to go in the Army. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And when he came back out, he decided he was going to go to a Christian college in Oklahoma and head up their athletic department. The other thing is he was an interception machine. Yeah. He yeah. had 20 some in three he, years. He would be a great demand. The other reason I would pick Dave Baker is because Dave Baker is not as famous as the other Dave Baker, the David Baker, a pro football hall of fame executive director who recently retired that I, that I knew a little bit, uh, distinguished right. career there. And the other trivia question is that David Baker is bigger <laughs> than the football playing defensive back Dave Baker, probably both nice guys, but I always thought there'd be some confusion The David Baker, that was the pro football hall of fame guys, 10 years younger, maybe 10 or 15 years younger. So it's not the same guy in case people are wondering, but it's interesting. And that's the legacy. So Dave Baker, the other Dave Baker, belongs in the Hall of Fame for his uh, post-serial football card. (laughs) No, that's (laughs) one of the toughest cards of the 60s. What quibble do you have with the price guide? Constructive criticism. I'm retired now, but the guys in my old company, they're still doing price guides, trying to track the cards. And I think it's both harder and easier now because there's more... Uh, transactions on eBay, but any thoughts you have on anything that might be underpriced or you just strictly go by eBay and it's a good deal if you see it or you're 
looking for things you don't have. The price guide that set up the framework that was initially by me, but has many years of evolution gone on. Every year, somebody would contact me that was a serious collector and say, you know what, you got 198 of them uh, dead on, but these other two, uh, I'll buy all day long at that price, or I can't sell them at that price. And so there was an iteration toward uh, hopefully improved uh, price guide values each year as I get feedback from the previous year. Anything comes to mind that things are tougher than their price guide value or easier? One of them that historically has been a lot easier than the price guide value, and it has come down since the early days, is Jerry Kramer. Originally, he was thought to be a short print because he was on his tens tray, but he was also on a double printed Raisin Brand 14 ounce box that was really easy to find. And there are still tons of them out there. I see him listed as a short print because the guide say it was short print. Well, it's not. That's just the way it was back in the day. You had to rely on the information that you got from collectors and various people. And now you can see all the data. I collect all the data on the various brands and how much they sell for and everything else. I know how many there are of each card that sell. And it's fairly easy to look at prices and say, this one should be higher, this one should be lower. And should is an operative word. And basically, this is a hobby where demand is more important than supply. But supply explains the demand in many cases. And your excellent work has shown that. If Why is this card harder to get or perceived as, as more valuable? You've explained it in your website and in your extensive research that it's because it was there weren't as many of them, but we didn't know that. When I first started Price Guides, we had very sketchy information. I would say more on the order of hearsay. Now, hearsay from a reliable source. I, I had sources that were just outstanding collectors that, like you, were master set collectors and, and were willing to give feedback on which one were the tougher ones. But we didn't know the actual supply. You've been fundamental in, in doing that. And that explains the demand. Do you have a position on rookie cards within that set or pre-rookie cards where their post-serial card predates their appearance in Tops or Fleer? Yeah, Mike Ditka and Fran Tarkenton. And Tarkenton is probably one of the most common cards in the set, just from the boxes he was on. And his price, even for a lousy card, is at least $10. On up to... Uh, a really nice one could be getting close to 100, but it's just super common. Now, Ditka's isn't as common. It was on a Rice Crinkles and an Oat Flakes 10-ounce box. His prices lately, especially, have just jumped. Well, um, it's a rookie year card, simultaneous with their tops rookies in both those cases. Yeah, Bob Lilly would be another guy. That predates. That's before his rookie card. That's right. So are you seeing increased interest in those beyond what the supply would suggest? Another guy, he's a superstar and not a rookie, but Jim Brown's car were on Great Must Flakes 12-ounce boxes, and they're fairly easy to find, but the price is extremely high because it's Jim Brown. There are so many Brown collectors, and it's kind of the same way with Ditka, and it's kind of the same way with Lily and Tarkenton. There are so many of those individual collectors. The rookie card factors in, but it's also because they were superstars and, and Hall of Famer. People want them outside of post-serial collectors. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to 62. My recollection is that Jim Brown was about as popular as any player. <laughs> yeah, Ninus was coming on strong in those days, but Tarkenton was nothing in the beginning. He was a, oh. a Georgia you know, college star, but he didn't really catch on for a while. But Jim Brown was top of the heap, I think. Jim Brown, people still say it might be the best football player that ever lived. People recognize that today, thus the premium on his card. But yeah, and it's a great action shot of him too, and people love it. Okay. What position could Jim Brown not play back in the day? 
Is there um, any position on the football field you think you could put him where he would not be at least acceptable and maybe a good player? Offensive line, defensive line, DB? No, I'm immediately thinking he was such an athlete, he probably could have done them all. He could have punted. He could have kicked. He caught the ball. I'm sure he could tackle. No. I'm sure he could tackle. Yeah. And he was a lacrosse player too, right? Yeah, he was. So at least he could throw it with a stick. Brown coming <laughs> at you with a stick. I think I'd get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he was all American there too. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the sets that makes the hobby so great. Knowledge and doing homework and studying it. And so what you've done is a great example of digging in and you've made it easier for people coming after you as I've tried to do as well, but it's not a simplistic set. And, and that makes it more of a challenge, which makes it more fun for the collecting mentality people. If you can just go out and buy a set, can you imagine putting an ad somewhere and saying, I want to buy a 62 post serial set? They're not available. You, you basically have to put it together painstaking. Even if you had a lot of money, it, it would take a long time. Uh, you you can find a set every once in a while. There uh, over the course of a year, there are probably two or three listed a year. I found one at the National this year. I bought it because it was a nice set, and there aren't very many of them. And I wanted to upgrade a few cards. But yeah, they are few and far between. Available to buy. You're going to have a whole lot more fun putting it together piece by piece. I don't understand starting out buying the whole set and just putting it on the shelf. I totally agree. It seems unfair or unsporting. (laughs) Well, it does. I can't tell you how much fun I've had with this set over the last 20 years. Oh, it's something new. It's a quest. It is. Yeah. Okay. So, so Robin, what's your second favorite set? Football. One of the baseballs or the 60 post cereal, the, the whole box panels. I collected baseball when I was a kid, and I still collect some baseball, tops and post. I'm trying to put together post master sets, but I've been doing that for 15 years and I'm still not done because I just not interested as I am in the football. I just don't spend the time on it. Everything's my second favorite. Okay. I suppose someday I'll get to a point where I think, oh, this is the end of the road and there's nothing left in post serial football, but I've been doing this for 20 years and I've not gotten there yet. And I may never get there and that'd be fine with me. And if I do, well, I guess I'll figure out what my second favorite is. I'm so like you and unlike you at the same time, because I also see everything I've done is an impossible quest. You just keep moving forward. But I admire your focus. I was totally spread thin to where I couldn't even have a favorite. I couldn't focus as much. I have expertise in a whole bunch of things, but I couldn't focus too much on one sport or one set or one era even because it would be to the detriment or exclusion of something else. Hence, you've got a wall behind you of post-serial football cards, and I've got about a thousand different cards from a thousand different sets of yeah. 10 different sports. And I, that's my quest to help build a greater knowledge and understanding of the hobby and the cards for the enjoyment of future generations. And you've done that and you've memorialized it on your website. The only reason I could do a book, Robin, is because there was going to be a new book coming out each year that, yeah. would, that would not erase mistakes, but it, it would continue to evolve more accurate prices. In some of these examples you're pointing out, there are other sets like this that new information about the supply comes out and it's very helpful for explaining the demand. When collectors don't know why something's so expensive, I, I don't think they're as willing to pull that's that much money because of this supply reason. As you pointed out, I said, okay, that boy, if it's a hundred times tougher, then it should be a hundred times as valuable necessarily, but it'd be a lot more valuable. Yeah, no, you're exactly correct. That was the fun and finding this stuff. 
figuring all that out. Thanks, Robin Pauls, for your expertise and for publishing it and making it available. I've been the beneficiary of that, although I'm retired now. I still have fond memories of 62, all the post serials, but the football was unusual and there was only one year. And thanks for your hard work. Thank you very much for having me on. You bet. The man-